Hello and welcome to another episode of Menace to Sobriety with your host with the most, Daniel O'Reilly, aka comedian Dapper Laughs. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not joined with my co-host Kirk today. He's uh, he's off sunning himself um, down in Devon or Cornwall or Dorset, something like that. But uh, he's having the greatest time with his little son, uh, sending me lots of voice notes. He messaged saying he wished he was here today. Uh, but it helps us chop it up a little bit. He'll be back soon. Um, what we wanted to do is we wanted to start getting some more guests in uh, to get a bit more variety going on, keep the podcast moving along, a bit of interest. There's only so much me and Kirk can sort of crack on telling each other how amazing we are. Uh, so I thought I'd chop it up uh, and I'm going to be continuing to get guests on with Kirk. Um, but let me introduce you to who I've got today. Very interesting story. Really excited about this. I'm going to introduce Joe Seely. He's currently starring in The Housewives of Cheshire with his wife, Nicole. Um, former West Ham United football player, late Manchester, uh, son of late Manchester United goalkeeper Lee Seeley, Les Seeley, sorry. And at the age of 18, Joe lost his father uh, and his football career. And yeah, then he went into drugs, goes on to sobriety. I'm not going to overdo it. Let's get Joe on to tell the story. Uh, Joe, how are you? I'm good. I'm pleased to be here, Dan. How are you? Yeah, good, good, <laughs> mate. I had to read it off here. I, <laughs> I had to read it because otherwise I end up just like, who knows what I'm going to say. And um, yeah, man, you got in touch with the with the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and then my PA passed me the book. You got the book here and and um, told me a little bit about your story. Mm. I had a few looks, a little a couple of clips online, and I thought, you know what? What a brilliant different story because mm. we've had we've had a few people that are in the media on here before. Uh, we've had like industry experts, psychologists, um, you know, people that have written books. Yep. We've had some normal folks. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to chop it up. So I was really interested in your story. So thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. So first of all, tell me about the book. What's the book about? So the book is a, a blended story of my dad's life and career. Yep, and my addiction and recovery, right. if you like. So. It's a long story. In 94, yeah. my dad made uh, the start of a book with uh, a school teacher called Liz Clivero, and they did uh, cassette tapes of my dad speaking, mm. and no one knew about it. My dad died in 2001. In 2014, I'm watching my son play football at Manchester United, and wow. uh, I recognised Les Clivero because he was my Sunday morning football manager. I went and spoke to him, and he said, I've got your dad's book. I said, he never done a book. He said, he did. So took me around his ass. Gave me a lunchbox full of cassette tapes, wow. and a manuscript that he'd wrote on a word processor, one copy. Wow. And uh, I didn't do anything with it for a little while. Um, and it was, the word manuscript was badly written. Yeah. Well, it took about nine years, took it apart, met Tim Rich. Mm. They put the tapes and the manuscript back together and he said, um, there's only a, there's only 60% of a book. We need to start interviewing you. He started interviewing me. He said, what was it like your dad died? I told him um, what had happened to me and my journey. And he went, oh, we need to blend your story with your dad's. Wow, and um, that's where this book's come from. It's been number one now on Amazon for eight weeks. Wow, we've just had three doc offers on it and a drama. Wow, so it's um, I thought we'd sell a couple of hundred copies, and I think we're at sixty thousand or something now. That's amazing! Yeah. Wow, and that's Fantastic. that's that's um, that's testament to obviously your dad's name, and then you opening up about your struggles and your addictions. Mm. First, first of all, take me back then. So, who, first of all, who was your father, and how did that affect your life? And then. Okay. And then talk me through your journey with your addiction. Well, I grew up, I suppose, when my dad was playing football, um, 80s, 90s. I, I was, you know, so he played 70s, 80s and 90s and, uh, and died in 2001, but still playing in 2000. It changed massively because the Premier League came in. Mm. So and he went from Luton Town, which at the time we were a top League One club. Yeah. Played the cup finals there for seven years and moved to Man United. And the difference in those two clubs and the difference it changed my life is it was was incredible to the point where I probably wouldn't be sitting here now. I probably wouldn't be on Cheshire Housewives yeah. and everything else I do wouldn't have changed unless that he moved to Man United because when he moved here, he won the FA Cup, Premier League come and he won, he won the European Cup. And he became like household name. Household name, more famous. So like, for example, difference at Luton, we lived, we lived a normal life. Um, what I perceived to be a normal life anyway. And we went to Man United and then you couldn't walk down the street. Wow, yeah. Um, now, I was always really proud of that. I don't know how my brother feels about it. Mm. He doesn't have the problems I've had after. But yeah. I was always really proud of it. But I think for me, I'll talk about this later if you like, but identified as a lot of things throughout my life. And as a kid, I identified as Les Seeley's son. Right, okay. 
And I think later on that became a problem for me. Because because you lose your own identity. Correct. Yeah. So it was that, and then it was Joe Celia play for West Ham. So it was always... You I weren't yourself. Good, we're never good enough. Do you know what I mean? So it was always me and a label that made me better than... Yourself? Yeah. Whoever else I'm talking to or myself, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? So you know, it's like one up in it, I suppose. Yeah, I guess I know what you mean. That's quite... Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite... It's strange for someone like yourself to have that sort of self-analysis. Yeah. You know what I mean? To see that. But yeah, carry on. So, Yeah, so I grew up around every Man United player you can think about. Canton, Arsley, Bruce... Um, so you're mixing in these circles. Mixing in circles, but at the time, to be honest with you, as a kid, when you play football, you're you're from a football family. It is just a job, a bit like your comedian. Yeah. Your kids has got a dad yeah. whose job's a comedian. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, it's it's your job. So I didn't know any different. I actually thought like going to games with him and players like it was all normal. And my dad was very normal. He didn't socialise. Didn't right. like going out. I only saw him drunk twice. Would always be at home. I didn't realise that people's dads weren't at home when they got in from school. My dad was always indoors. So, like, I'd get home at three. My dad had been in since one, laying on the sofa, smoking a cigar, drinking black coffee and eating an ham sandwich. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that was my dad. Um, so, you know, I didn't have these outside experiences, of, I suppose, of life. Yeah. Um, and then when you start playing football, you put, get put in such a bubble that yeah. I still didn't know. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because everything's... Everything, all the way through my life up to a certain point was done. As in, if I needed a dentist, if I needed a doctor, if I needed some trainers or kit or whatever it was, yeah. I didn't have to go to the GP. Yeah. You know, and then when that bubble burst for me, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to make a doctor's appointment. So, oh wow. Yeah, it was, it was bad for me. So what, what, talk me through that. So how did your, if you don't mind me asking, how did your father pass away? So my dad died of a fluke, went out on a, a Sunday morning, completely fine. And he's, when you play or any, any, you play sport, any professional sport, and you train for that amount of time, your heart grows, your heart's a muscle, not an organ. Yeah. So his heart was twice the size. And he, one of his arteries flooded. And it could be happening to a normal person every day of the week, 24 7, or even something like 45 stone. You wouldn't feel it. Because his heart was that big, as his fl artery, artery flooded, the amount of blood in it made his heart explode. Fucking hell. So he died in the afternoon. So he died, get, what he managed to do was get himself to South End Hospital because he'd retired and he bought some property. So he was doing one of the properties up in Rayleigh himself. And he managed to drive himself to the hospital, but getting out of the car door, standing up, killed him. Fucking hell. So his heart exploded. You don't realise every time you move, this is how I explain it, every time you move, stand up, your heart beats a little bit more yeah. so you can move. So he got out of the car. By the time he stood up, shut the door, bang, on the curb outside A&E. We got the phone call. Went down and he's dead. Oh, I'm so sorry, mate. There's, it was one of those things. It was a billion to one chance. They said he'd had all of his, all of his scans every year. It wasn't. It wasn't a health related illness. Yeah, that's. I mean, I can relate to that. My father had a had a stroke. We went away to went away to Vegas, and I always think maybe it was something to do with the flight. You know, it happens with people, the blood yeah. clots and all that. And then yeah, I got the phone call that he'd had a stroke. Went in, and then a couple of days later, he he was dead. Like. And it's weird. It's weird when it happens because it's your life and it's mm. happening, so it feels real. Yeah. But also, it feels so surreal. And then suddenly, your whole life, the landscape of your whole life, is different. Yeah. Your relationship with your mum's different. Your mum's different. Your family's different. So, was that a big turning point for you? Did that? Is that because for me, that's what really kicked. It. Like I was using drink. Was you? Because I was using drink and drugs before that sociably and enjoying it. Yeah. But for me, when my father died. That was when it really turned into a coping mechanism for me. So for me, my journey's, I think, unusual and a little bit different because I played professional football. I actually got injured the week before he died. Right. So okay. What, serious injury? Well, it retired me. Oh, so fucking hell. So I had to retire the week before. Well, at, a point, at that point, I knew I had to retire, but no one had spoke about it because I did this big operation two years before on my shoulder. and it dislocated. I was a goalkeeper. It dislocated again. And I always knew if it goes again, I'm done. I did it the week before. So I'd never had a dr I never drunk and I'd never tried drugs at that point. So, but yeah, you had, you drank at all? A couple of times, but nothing. Right, okay. I, it, when I was playing football, I was, that's what I, I, I knew you had to do to play football. Yeah. And then nothing else. I was tunnel visioned with that. I, I didn't want to do anything else. And anything that got in that way, like when I had friends from school that started smoking weed or anything like that. You were like, it just didn't interest you. Yeah, yeah, you no, had your own. I stopped yeah. talking to them. Right, okay. Like, if anyone was doing it, because I was that, I suppose Focus. I didn't know. Yeah, focused and I didn't know. I was so 
naive around drugs. If you smoke weed and I was standing near you, I thought I might catch it, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to fail a drug test Right. Like football. Do you know what I mean? So I just, just completely disassociated with anyone that did drugs. Wow, okay. Um, so that that all happened in the, in the same week, and I would say within, I tried drugs within, I think, six to eight months after that point. That's so weird. Our stories are so similar because I got cancelled and and like I was on Newsnight apologising and like oh, I, I lost my TV show and everything. And then within <laughs> within a really short within weeks or I think I can't remember back now, but it's certainly within a month or something. My father died, uh, so it's like my career ended, and then my father died. And you had the same thing. Your career. Yeah. Ended. Can you remember after that? Did it start with drinking? It started with me socialising. Now, this is not so. I lived in Loughton, right? Right. I didn't know anyone that took drugs in Latin. I didn't know where to buy it. Fucking hell, in Latin. I, I started hanging around with a geezer called Michael Edward Hammond. Now, Michael Edward Hammond at the time was going to Danny Minogue, right? He's gone to prison now. He's the guy that broke into Buckingham Palace and said he was a copper. Do you remember about six, seven Fucking years ago? Fucking hell, right? yeah. I so remember. He was, a, he was a con man, right? So he, but I didn't know this. He was, so he was a film a film. And he was guy. going out with who? Danny Minogue, right? Fuck, and all he's different a legend, isn't he? Oh, so well, I, not really. I, I met him in this, in this, meet, in this business deal I was doing at the time or someone <laughs> trying to get me involved with and I met him and he started taking me to Manchester now there used to be a place called Rectory in Wilmslow now where, where I now live but it's, it's, now it's the Millie and Carter right okay so yeah. I used to go to Manchester with him once a month and do do some gear because it's the only place I knew where to get it right and then come back to Latin and live normally for months I didn't know where else to go I, I couldn't get it didn't know anyone Oh, right. That's how bizarre my life started. Eventually, obviously, you meet people in faces or wherever else I was hanging around with, and then I could get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, so, but can you remember the first time yeah. you've done a line? Yeah. Talk me from what? So, the first time I did a line, he took me back to this guy's house in Manchester, and I was with him and a, um, a friend of mine. I mean, I never named because it's, I don't think it's fair on him. Uh, it was in Coronation Street. <laughs> um, and they lined it out, and I'd never seen it. I'd never seen any drugs. Yeah. And um, they said, do it. I do want some. And I did it. Now, I, I, I thought I was going to die, right? Because I, I, I was that naive to drugs. I thought, that stuff kills you. But I did it. I think a bit of peer pressure, bit in, being 19 and a little bit of wanting to be like these people who are older, 25, 30 years old. Yeah. And I did it. And do you know what? It made me feel better. It made me feel better because I think, I say this all the time, I think drugs, at the start with how I was feeling around my dad and my career, drugs saved my life. It's the truth. By the end, it took everything from me. Yeah. But at the start, it, it saved my life. It, made it me gave you something. It made me feel happy. It made me feel happy. And that, 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 that one line, that, it was one line the first night. And I chatted shit for the next five hours and then asked for another one, but it was already everyone else had lined it out because they do what they people do that have done it before. But that one time, I, first time I did one. <laughs> one line. <laughs> it's funny when you like look it back does now. now, yeah. And then, um, you know, it, it, it grew from there qu quite quickly for me. Yeah. Quite just, quickly. Just on that, just just before we progress, because yeah. I'm really interested in this. It's it's quite a in really interesting mm -hmm. perspective because... For me, it start you 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 started like kind of late, well, even yeah. though like nineteen. Yeah. I, it, that's weird me saying late because that's still fucking really early. But for me, it was just like we were smoking weed, we were smoking pot. Never tried it. Yeah, and still then, haven't. And then and it was like a natural progression. We were just out drinking. Our, everything for us was like getting on the smash when I was like 13, 14, mm. 15, going down the park and drinking. And it's just a natural progression. Everyone was doing it, and I done it. Mm. But to you, it seems a little bit different. But did you you know when you said it made you feel better? Do you think? Do you think like? Do you think it made you forget and like escape? Is that a way of looking at it? Because I think, yeah. Um, I think I was probably suicidal looking back now, and I had severe depression. And I think that that was the first time, not not so much that night, but what I ended up doing later on, hmm. that it, I felt happy. It made me forget. I didn't yeah. feel how I felt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I can't even. Yeah. I I I think I think this is such an important point because when when we're going through things like as kids, as young boys, mm. but maybe and and women as well, but definitely as boys, it's it's very difficult. Like you know, we should be taught that, that like there's no teaching around mental health and stuff like that. When you're a kid, like saying like when think bad things are going to happen, you you need to work on your mental health. You need to do stuff because essentially, what what sh if someone was with you then, someone was going, someone should have sat you down and said, right, your father's died, you've lost your career, you need to throw yourself into something to distract yourself. You need to get through this next year. Yeah. But what you did really is you went and found something to distract yeah. yourself with. Yeah, correct. I mean, 
there was a few things around it, and I, I talk to people now who's, who have lost a parent, and I think the main thing is you, they need to talk. Yeah. So what I did was, because I was the oldest, I thought, and my mum and dad were together since they were 12. Oh, so it was a big thing for my mum, and my mum's quite soft. Yeah. And my brother's a bit like that. I'm a bit different. So I thought I had to be the man in the ass. So I wouldn't cry. So what I used to do is get in the shower in the morning, lay in a bowl and cry my fucking eyes out for 10 minutes, get out of the shower and try and be all right. Yeah. And I shouldn't have done that. Do you know what I mean? That took me 10 years. You kept years. it to yourself, yeah. Yeah, and I shouldn't have done it. And there was lots of different things. I, I thought I killed my dad. So for a long time, I thought my, my injury and that stress killed him. Oh, man. And I actually said it to, a few years after, I did go and see the doctor at the club. And I said it to him and he said, I can't tell you that ain't true. He so, said that to you? I swear to God. I'd come back from Malia and I'd been on it for like three, four days in Malia. And um, I come out, I come back and I said to him, I need some help. And he was, just told me to see the, the club doctor. And that's what he said to me, yeah. Now, what I think is, whether he thought it or not, he should have lied to me because I was 20 years old at that point. But that, that yeah, that's disgusting. I mean, I, I, that, that just tells me that that guy had some resentment in you. Probably. Maybe he saw how you were treating yourself and just wanted to give you a kick up the arse. Maybe. Well, it is what it is. But, yeah. and, you know, as I got older and I, you know, I actually learned what happened to me, dad, and I knew anyway, but I'm just looking for something to blame. Yeah, well, what, what, what did I say straight away? We went to Vegas. I took my brother and my dad to Vegas. That's what yeah. I said straight away. And I always tell myself, you know, I said to the doctor, could the flight have done it? Because he had a blood clot that they think started in his leg. Okay. And you get that from sitting. And, yeah. And, and I, I also had to um, make the decision to turn the machine off and all that. And, my relationship with my brother and all, all of this has been and you do you blame yourself and if you go to a counsellor this is the big thing if you've gone to a counsellor straight away a counsellor would say what you're going to do is you're going to blame yourself for this what yeah. you're going to do and you relate to what they're saying and and it helps clear clear everything up but um, I'm really sorry man it's right. it's uh, but right so you found you found the drugs yeah. and uh, and then it started becoming a bit of your bit of your life. It's, it's just weekends at this point, and then your social circles sort of changed. The social circles quickly changed because most of my friends were footballers, um, and, and they ain't out sniffing gear. No, but they also tried to help. None of no, I wouldn't say they none of them got rid of me, but I got rid of them quick because as soon as you're acting a bit odd and it's a bit much, someone says something to you, you're you like, oh, fuck off, yeah. yeah. You don't go out with them on Tuesday no more to Funky Buddha, are you? You're going to go out with so-and-so and you're going to go here on. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think for me, the quick, very, very quickly, I escalated to not leaving my ass and doing it by myself. Like I mean, quick. Quicker yeah. than most people. Because I think even now, I, I never liked nightclubs or pubs. I never liked it. And I never really liked the taste of booze. So I sniffed every day. Wow. Not you, drinking. Oh, you went to that quite quick. Quick. Like, Within a year, within six months of my first line, within six months to a year, of my first line, I'm sniffing every day. Yeah, that's heavy. All day, every day. That's heavy. You know, and it escalated with me letting a drug dealer live in my ass, and I'm still buying the gear, but I've got it there all the time. <laughs> like, <this laughs> it's mad, fucking, isn't it? That's how mental I, I was. So I'm fucking letting him live with me for six months, I'm, but I'm sniffing, but paying him for it. <laughs> so it's, it's like drug dealers are the best businessmen, aren't they? They fucking know. Do you know what I mean? But it's if, like you can laugh now. Yeah, but if you've got if you if you see someone, that's, <laughs> how mad is this? That after my dad died, I and my, I, I broke up with my missus. I moved in with my drug dealer. Oh, fucking there you go. I li I lived above. Uh, he had a three story house, and I lived above him for a little while. But why wouldn't you? And he was like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. It's mad though, isn't it? But we never see that as our addiction. No. Yeah. I know. You no, you don't. But. So so that was happening to you. And, mm. and, and w when that first started, did you see it as like, do you know what, things are hard, I'm going to do it, or I think this is a problem? No, at that point, I thought it was fun, and I just thought it was all a game, and um, I felt, it was the only time I felt happy. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the truth. Yeah. I, I was miserable. Yeah, because you know what I think that is? Because, and this is, this is what keeps me sober very much at the moment is, and... I had it. I had it this weekend actually because I was I was out gigging and I was around a lot of drunk people. Mm. And now I look at drunk people very <laughs> nervously. Mm. It's very weird, you know. When I see drunk people sort of out of control a little bit, and I look at them, I feel quite uneasy now. And I I don't know if it's because I'm I'm scared of being drunk or scared of them, but I think it's because I see myself. What I loved was losing control. I loved it. I loved like, you know. So this say for instance, this is my life normally. When I'd had a drink and a bit of gear, I was like, woo! I'm like, yeah, this is fucking fun again. And now when I look at that, it scares me because I feel like there's like another side of me um, that's just an animal. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Mine, mine was different. So like, 
I would think of my using as probably fun for six months, and the rest of it was sad, lonely, yeah, suicidal yeah. using. I mean, I, I was sniffing at my worst for 10, 12 grams a day. Fucking like, hell, Like, man. every day, all day. Um, for How did you have the money for that? So I was running the business. My, my, my business ended up selling. I was borrowing money from my mum, selling stuff I owned. I still managing at that point when I was at that point in my using when I was heavy, heavy. But I, my every heavy was between 20 and 22, 23, every heavy, every day. I'd fund it however I could, but I was managing, I managed to function. But people around you must have known you were fucked. They must have, but yeah. I was still good at what I did. Yeah. So I wasn't that person that didn't operate. Make money I, or, yeah, yeah, I still did, but I borrowed probably over, I, in total, I'm not joking, I must have borrowed 30, 40 grand of my mother. Do you know what I mean? Because at that point, she didn't know what she was doing. She was just giving me money when I, when I asked her for something. I was giving her some back. You know, the usual stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, and I let him live with me, didn't I? For free, so. Yeah, then I was yeah. nicking a bit of gear off him as well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, borrowing, uh, buying some off that dealer, off, off that dealer. Do you know what I mean? Using yeah. dealers differently and all that craziness. And then I, I got to a point, and I remember this. My mum went away to South Africa for for 10 days. Right? She'd come back and I ain't slept. Right, for, for that minutes. whole time? For that whole time, right? And I ended up passing out in my office in a chair for like two and a half days. And I woke up, and my mouth was covered in sores, and I thought, wow, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I don't want to die. And um, Fucking hell, man. I, I'd stop, I stopped. Not, I didn't stop, stop, but I, I stopped doing that, what I was doing. I never went back to every day again. Um, I was still using, but I wasn't. Maybe then I was using twice a week. And I curved it, and I curved it, because it was getting to a point at that point where even at that point in my life, I knew I was fucked at 21. My 21st birthday, I sat indoors, I bought a quarter of an ounce, a bottle of Jack Daniels, two bottles of wine, and I sat there for three days, and I thought it was good, and after that, I thought, oh, you're fucked. So I knew I weren't right. I weren't like everyone else. Yeah. And um, by the end of that 22, 23 period, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was doing so much because I was buying it and then trying to sniff it to get rid of it. <laughs> Yeah. But then when I didn't have any buy more, do you know what I mean? I, I know what you mean. You're thinking like, if I just do this, then it's done, and then yeah. It was just a it was just a mental cycle I was it, I was on, and I, and I tried to stop, and I stopped, and I started, and I went to AA, and I went to CA, and I, I couldn't stop, and I, I kind of I suppose in a in effect become a little bit more healthier around it again, and I'd use it, go out sometimes and use it, and um, but then still not be like not I'd still be going two days later, but not every every yeah, well, still every but not every every. Um, and and eventually I become a binger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, what I'm seeing a hundred percent is that's how you coped with your father's death initially. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, this, yeah, Do, you're you're obviously quite you're a successful businessman. Yeah, yeah, you're a very successful businessman. You're obviously quite driven. Do you think that those that that sort of um, hyper focus and drive funnels into addiction as well? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're all or nothing with everything else you're doing, like, because if you're going to be a footballer, right, it's like if you're going to be a boxer or something, your whole life has to fucking revolve around it. That's it. Yeah. It's not like having a nine to five and then in the evenings and the mornings, you're just chilling out. It's yeah, like yeah. your whole life. And then with business as well, because you've grown some big companies. I we'll, get, we'll get into that in a minute. Right. But, um, and do you find that, because I'm trying, what I always try and do is I try and think to myself, what have we all got in common? These, I mean, my, my, it'd be good if Kirk was here actually because he was very similar to the way that you used I, I was much more of like a binger I mean I went through I did go through a period I think when, when my father passed away where I had a couple of moments where I was like you know during the day uh, you know I'd been drinking and then I, I was like waiting to go in my house and having a couple of bumps and that during the day mm. and then I was like hmm do you know what I mean And but I really didn't give a fuck when my dad died I just I had this attitude in my mind where I was just like, well, fuck the world then anyway. Mm. Did you feel like that a little bit? or I just couldn't stop, Dan, yeah. Dan the truth is. I mean... It, You're just compelled. I was compelled. I mean, I just couldn't stop. I mean, I didn't want to stop. I couldn't stop. And I didn't know how to stop. Fucking hell, yeah. I was fucked. It would have killed me. Um, I was lucky in a few things happened. I met my wife. My wife... Um, right, okay. Don't drink, really. <laughs> like, I mean... Where did you, where did you, how did that come up? I met her in one night, so this is the truth. I met her in 195 in Epping on a Thursday night. <laughs> right. Uh, 30th of November, 2006. And, um, sorry. 
and that that night I believe saved my life. My wife don't drink, never used. Um, I mean, literally, fucking. I see her probably have five glasses of wine here. She's so annoying. Yeah. So I leaves a little bit of wine in the glass and fucking. Yeah, yeah. You know, ain't bothered about it. And um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> complete opposite to me, but actually, yeah. it's the thing. If I was with someone like me, I'd be dead. And um, I met her, and I, you know, at that point, I was using. A, if I was out, but I weren't using. I was. I had half a normal life at that point. Twenty five. Mm. Half a normal life, and I married her eighteen months later. But at that point, I was messy. I got a bit more messier. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and my, my using changed, changed a lot, dependent on how much she knew and understood about it. Because at the start, she didn't know anything about it because she wasn't used to it. Yeah. It wasn't obvious. Right. But I'd be sniffing in the day sometimes, and she wouldn't know. Right. Do you know what I mean? Then we'd yeah. go out and have a drink because also my wife would then start coming out more because you want a referee and control me, don't you? Yeah. Because if I'm going out by myself, fuck me, I could be, you know, two days, three days before she sees me. Yeah, yeah. So then she, then you start getting like man marked, don't you? Yeah. yeah. But actually, it's yeah, for my yeah. own benefit and yeah. she's going out more because of, of me and, and stuff like that. And it's just a uh, mess. Then she starts noticing a bit. I noticing a bit. I become more secretive. My using becomes more secretive because she's noticing more, which actually probably from that point on was how my using was to the end. Yeah. I was secretive. Yeah. I was um, conniving. I'd try and do it when she was away or I'd, I'd literally, not joking, this would happen a few times. I would start at home. She'd, she could tell by my voice. My voice, by this point in my life, I sound a lot of Ozzy If I use, I sound a lot of Ozzy Osbourne now. Oh, oh you're... I can't function. My brain don't function. I can't speak. I'm mumbly. Probably the volume I use, and now I drink neat vodka out of a bottle. Wow! Right? So I've gone from not drinking my sniff, but till I might I might do uh, fucking doesn't matter a lot of yeah, yeah, neat yeah, vodka yeah. out of a bottle continually to stop. Yeah. Maybe two for three days, and what I'd end up doing, she'd throw me out, or I'd leave. She'd just know you're on it. She'd know. She'd tell she'd just bring me up in the day and see it's how I say hello. She she knows a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Like she knows if I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she'd um. I'd take myself off to an hotel where she wouldn't know where I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd sit there and I was a loner. I didn't do all these things that you see in film strippers. I fucking wish I did because I didn't. I was lonely watching Jeremy Kyle yeah. sniffing gear, drinking vodka. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she'd end up driving around to hotels or to one of my cars flashed up. Fucking hell. To come and save me out of that bit, save me out of that room. So you had her walk in on you a few times, bang, bang on the, the door. door. Save me. And um, 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 would you just break just down? Yeah. Because once I start, I can't stop. Yeah. That I've got that bit. Like, so yeah, yeah. I can't stop. Like, I wish I could. I wish I could just do a couple of bumps. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I just can't. And um, yeah, it took a long time. <sighs> it's hard, that It is. took a long time. I went to rehab for a week when I was 25. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I thought I, had, I thought I had an anger problem. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, it's good. I got put in the... Pro Jesus. I got arrested, so I went and... Um, I was in Loughton. <laughs> And I just went and bought, bought, went to buy a box of nails and um, a but. Do you know that one at all? No, the not police really. station where this T T junction is. So I'm coming out of the T junction, bus pulls across. So I'm beeping and I'm fucking screaming and going, man. Anyway, he called. You can swear on it or not? But yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, my podcast. Oh, Fuck no, it. Yeah. He called me a cunt. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> not that one. I joke. Yeah, go on. Anyway, so I get out of the car, kick the bus door through. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm punching the perspex where the driver is, right? But it's on the bus camera, and I'm outside the police station. Oh, so love I've that. been smashed like against the plastic. Oh, they just walked out the police station. Yeah, this, fuck is, it, I'm here. this is an easy day's work. I'm ten yards from the from the police station, right? Nick me. Ended up dropping the charges because it's got to you get him on camera calling me the gun. So that happened and a few other Was you drunk or? No. Come down. Come down. I was angry all the time, mate. Yeah, it's I mean, come down does that, doesn't it? I was angry yeah. all the time. And um, that happened, and I, and I thought, I've got an anger problem. Yeah. Not a drug, but I've got an anger problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, mate. I, had, I, I can't believe this. I've done the same thing. I went to anger management counselling. I went there. I oh, went my God. Yeah. I, to, I used to go to this geezer in St. John's Wood. Only geezer I could find. This is like fucking 2009. I fucking hated it. It made St. me angry. St. John's Wood, I used to go every every Tuesday and Thursday. And like at like 7 a.m., at 7 a. I used to have to, have to leave. I lived in Stateworth and Abbotsford. I used to have to leave at 5. And I said, get there and think, well, I'm here. Anyway, I went to the Priory. I checked into the Priory and they said, oh, you've got an addiction. I said, no, I've got addiction to anger. Anyway, a week later, I walked out. 
Um, addiction to anger. Did they ask you about your drug use? A little bit, but they also said anger is a drug. <laughs> so I got given a book, Anger is a Drug, which made me feel right. Fucking you know I mean? Because if you tell me that I'm fucking purple, <laughs> and it means I ain't got to stop using, I'm fucking purple, ain't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just bonkers shit. And um, come out, and it, 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 it never changed until the end. I did go back to the pro for a month when I was 30. Right, okay. Um, I was bad at that point again, and I went in for a month, and I didn't get sober. Okay, you didn't. No, you went. So just, just quickly, just quickly, because yeah. I just want to, I want to touch on that. Yeah. So the Priory, it's like a, it's a, re it's a renowned, um, it's a renowned, uh, ain't cheap. It's a rehab centre. Yeah. A lot of celebs and stuff go there. But talk me through what, what does that look like? Checking into there, what you have to do, the sort of thing you have to do, what it does to your mentality, what you believe, how you feel, all of that jazz. So like what happened to me is that I, <laughs> I rang up, I've been out all night. I stayed at the Zilton in London. I've been drinking and using all day with these three Australians that were on, on holiday that I'd never met. <laughs> and I thought, what am I going to say? So I, rang, I meant to be going to AA in London that day, which obviously I never was going to. And I rang her up and I said, I, I got arrested for fighting in London last night. And I got home and she weren't there, which is really unusual. And she was at work. And I made a, a fake arrest sheet on the computer. All right. So what you so you thought the best idea to tell your missus was that you got nicked? Yeah, but I also hit myself in the face with an air dryer. Right? <laughs> this is, the this is all in the book. This is the truth. Right? So I've you hit yourself in the air dryer. I'm in like, an Ilton. I've got the air dryer. And I think, right, I've got to hit myself. <laughs> I've got to hit myself. Fucking <laughs> right? bang, bang. Anyway. Come back and I pick up on the way back, and she can tell by my voice I'm fucking on it. And she says, "I've rung, I've rung the Southgate um, Priory. They've got space, but I, you need to fucking go." And I said, "I do," but I put my my, my gear on top, and she's only li my wife's only little, <laughs> five foot. So I put everything used to put it high, so she couldn't find it or see it. Kitchen cupboard, right? <laughs> and uh, you go to the Priory, and, and it isn't. I'll be honest with you, it ain't glamorous. It ain't what people think it's going to be. It certainly what I, I it certainly wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You're on, you're in key padded doors. You ain't watching telly. There ain't no fucking gym. You're yeah. doing therapy ten hours a day. You're getting up at seven. You can go to bed at nine. It, yeah. You're in a, you're in a mental institution with a posh name that you're paying a lot of money to be in. Right. Um, they take everything from you, your phone and everything else. But at the same time, you're locked away safe for twenty eight days. But when you let out that door, the big world, world goes your bang. Own, yeah. Get your phone back and, and all of that. And, you know, it did, a, it did a lot of good for me in a priory. It puts you in a bubble, but it doesn't make you sober. What 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 work, what work do they do? Like talks and... So if, it, it, it's a bit a bit unusual because it probably shouldn't be like this, but because it's, you know, it's a, ultimately it's a fucking business, isn't it? So, like, you might be in there three weeks, but someone new comes in. So sometimes your group's seven people. Could be 21 people depending on how many residents there are. At the same time, there's only two groups in the priory, the one I went to. There's ATP, addiction, and then the ones we used to call like the shufflers. They might be in there six months, like schizos and all that. Right? You're in, they're in that room there. Them lot have got fucking pool and fucking table tennis and all that. We can't even have coffee. Right? We ain't got a telly. Fucking so, yeah. you know, you're having, it's all different. So you're doing step work. You're doing someone's story. It's different every day. Right. You get to go to Alls um, Therapy on a Friday if you're lucky. That gets you out. Only time you're going to get out of it, out of the building. Yeah. Um, and you do different stuff, drumming, chanting, all different stuff, but all based around the 12-step program. And you have to go to whatever meetings at, held at the Priory. That night, you've got to go to it. So there's seven, there's like 10 meetings a week at the Priory, different ones. Some of them you, some of them are for you and other ones not. Do you know what I mean? But you you got to go to them. And it introduces you to the 12-step program. But for me, as soon as I walked out that door, I went all right. I was right in there, but I'm always all right in stuff in places like. Did that. you Did you plan on getting back on it on the way out? No, but I also didn't tell her that my gear was in the kitchen and get rid of it before I come out. So you were, f yeah, you were, you were, you weren't, you were, yeah, yeah, you weren't, yeah, yeah. I had, a, I, I had an argument with her on the way home, like pretty quickly. What straight out of the priory? Yeah, because I don't like a driving. <laughs> Oh, I can't remember what it was, but saying it around about anyway. But that made me feel anxious. And when I got in, I, I didn't do it the first day, but I put me on the top of the cupboard the first day. See, it's there. Felt it and felt I felt relief. <sighs> so bad. I, I felt relief, and um, I used to own an events company then, so I used to have a garage full of booze, like full of it. And I weren't at this point. This is up to this point. I'm still not a big drinker, but I started drinking neat vodka that day, and the day after, and that's when my neat vodka thing started. What, and, uh, from coming out of the Priory? Yeah. 
day after. What would you think that was? Because you just wanted a hit. Hard. Well, I had to do it because I'd gone in for a month. Like and this is what I say to people's families when they first go in. Your family, when it's your first time, think that thing's going to fix you, fix them, and you're going to come out and be a different person. So you, if you're not going to be, which ninety percent of people are not, you're going to be more secretive because you just spent thirty grand. So, I mean, you've been locked away from your family for 30 days and no one's been able to see you. And there's a lot of expectation and, and fucking pressure and everything. So it could even make you worse. Yeah, it made me worse in a, in a way. So it made me more, more secretive because now I'm hiding everything. And when I'm hiding everything, I'm worse. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't actually, I don't like that in my life. Like, mm. I, I like to be honest. I like to look after my wife. But every, drinking drugs takes that away from me and I'm the complete opposite. Yeah. Bastard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm running in the garage, I'm fucking knitting, sticking vodka, I'm sticking, I'm st sticking bottles of vodka behind that sofa, fucking toy. Do you know what I mean? And all of that, and then I, and then I start touching the gear. Now I've managed to, <laughs> that, that week, I managed to like dabble at it for three or four days, but I'm still going to the pro for day release. Right? So <laughs> I'm on day release. Shouldn't laugh, should you? I'm going in <laughs> and going through like the fucking programs every day, but I'm, but I've been at it. But then what the last, the last day they let me back, they wouldn't let me back after this. I rang them and I said, uh, fucking taxis had a flat tire. And they said, all right, still, because if you're going to be late, you can't come. They went, no, still come. I didn't. I weren't in the taxi. I was sitting in the park in Wanstead, <laughs> <laughs> sniffing gear, smoking a Havana cigar, <laughs> drinking vodka out of a brown paper bag and doing, doing fucking Cluedo or crossword and at the papers. Fucking hell. I swear to God. And that's what it was like for me. I, I always say, like, if I wasn't, if I had the people around me or probably the money and my family behind me that have kept me safe, I'd be an, I would be, a, I would probably be an heroin user. If I knew people that did that, I would have done it. So, fucking hell, man. It's, oh, man. Some, I, I bet so many people are going to watch this and just relate to it and be like, yeah, that, it's, it's, it, it, it You've got to laugh, and you've got to laugh. You've, yeah, yeah. You have no, to, you have to laugh. Yeah, you have to look at the tragedy and laugh at it. But yeah. you also, it's good to take your mind back there to fucking. So when she took to her, she took me. She took me back to the private day after. Yeah, and uh, they went, nah, nah, I'm not having him. Like, oh yeah, of course, of course, of course. So they fucking wouldn't have me. But also, they <laughs> how many excuses they must get, and a taxi having a flat tire. Uh, so they they said, nah, like you can come back in as a resident, and I was like, nah. She tried to run me over in the car park with my wife. What when she yeah. sped off? No, she just tried to fuck. No, she tried to fucking run me. <laughs> Sorry, it, it, a tray. I was banned from driving at this point as well. Okay, and um, oh my I did god, go such to, drama, man. Yeah, and that was a Friday, and I did go to CA uh, in the Priory that night, and at that point, I got a year sober. Uh, oh wow. Okay, so that was the start of your sobriety. Yeah, it was the start of a journey. I mean, I've been trying to get sober from twenty-five yeah. on and off. But I'd probably give it a go from 30 onwards is what I would say. So what clicked? I don't think, Dan, I ever wanted to do it. Or ever. I never I never wanted to do it. Right. I, I, I don't even know why I did it. I wish I did. I always wanted to stop and I never enjoyed it when I did it. And it always ended bad for me because I'd go for so long. Fucking hell. So it was always horrendous. And I'd always do stupid things. So... It wasn't like I was having fun and I was out with different people. I was with no one. Mm. So I lived a very sad, lonely existence when I was doing it. And I like my life. I've always liked my life at home. Mm. Like, it's like my main thing. And I was destroying that. I was destroying my family, my kids, my wife. I do dangerous things. You know, I drive. Yeah, I know. You know, stupid fucking shit. And um, yeah, so I got, so I got sober. Um, CAA, ENA, whatever I could fucking go to every day of the week. Um, and I went every every day for a couple of years. It's a lot of work. It was a lot of work and it was w what I did at the time, but actually it was better than what I was doing <laughs> looking back. I was probably looking for the right time to have a, another dabble. Did you relapse? Yeah, yeah, I moved. I moved to the north. Fucking hell. <laughs> to stay sober? Nah, to use, Papa. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, you know, there was, so, so there was an opportunity that came up for, for me to, to move to Cheshire. And, and I'd lived there when I was a kid. Right. And I didn't like Essex. I lived in Chigwell then. I didn't like the people. I thought it was a dangerous place. It, I didn't like it. Anyway, I moved up um, with one of the kids at the time. 
because he had a chance to play for Man United. So, and I'd sold my business. So I said, right, I'll move with you. And we're, the other two girls are at school, but they're finishing, they're older than him, finishing. When they finish, we can, we'll work it out weekends, me and your mum, and we'll make it work. But three months in, I said, oh, you've got to move. I, I can't, um, I'm not moving back. I like living up here. But I'd already started by then. Do you think that when you were moving, a part of your brain went, oh, I might be able to get on it? I got him in the first day. No. Yeah. So obviously, you know I mean, but that's my brain. Cunning, isn't it? Yeah. Cunning Trick and baffling. Didn't trip me. I fucking tripped myself. I fucking knew. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I knew. Do you know what I mean? I ain't fucking met someone in Manchester again. I bought it before I left. Oh, you know what I mean? Wow. So, you know, it is what it is. And I remember taking my wife out for dinner when she'd moved up. And I said, look, I'm going to have a... I heard your story about going to a party and having a few beers. Yeah. And I, and, uh, I said to her, I'm going like, to start having a drink again. I think I'm all right. And she, she said, all right, yeah, yeah. Like, she was a bit more innocent at that point. And I went out for this meal and we'd, uh, I ordered a glass of red wine and I left half of it. And you thought I've cracked it? Oh, no, I did it on purpose. So. Oh, right, to, to show you. <laughs> Actually, do you know one of them times you have a drink and you don't really enjoy it? Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah, so I just left it. And she went, I've never seen you do that before. I went, no, no, it's Yeah, well, I'm different now. Different. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I weren't fucking different, was I? So, not even gradually, it got worse. I started using it again quickly. Um, yeah. And it was more secretive and she was more on me and... It was more intense and more disappointments and more. But by this point, I'm using, I'm doing it every six months. Right. I'm falling off. I'm going for five or six days. And then you're and cutting I'm, it I'm out. Stopping and I'm like, I feel like shit. And she's fucking devastated again. I'm looking at her upset. Do you know what I mean? Ang they're angry, but they're upset and they're worried. It's a weird mix of yeah. shit. And um, disappointment, shame. <sighs> yeah. Did your kids know? I do now. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine they didn't. Um, they must have known something was because yeah because she's the worst thing yeah I, I mean like when I look at people drunk now they're so obviously drunk to me and when they're high they're so obviously high I imagine that kids they must know when you're different mm. they must they must sense yeah, yeah. that we're different yeah, yeah and nothing kids have a bigger sense of that don't they so, yeah definitely you know that's one of the things I, I regret the most yeah um, but uh, it's so strange to say but you can't stop it yeah. Do you know what I mean? And when do people used to say that before I was like it when I was thinking what a load of bollocks. Yeah. Why don't you just stop then? Well, Why don't you just stop? Yeah. Oh, if I, if I was like, I, I just think it, if I, I just stop. Yeah. You know, I couldn't. And um, um, so what happened then? So how did, how, how did, so was it, did you get sober then properly? Yeah. Up I, there? Yeah, up there I got sober. So how long was that for? Well, how long's it been? I don't like talking about how long I've been sober. I've been sober multiple years now. Yeah. And the reason is this. When I first started to get sober, I struggled <laughs> when people said there were multiple years. So someone said to me, five years, I said, bollocks, liar. Yeah, I fucking hate it. I can't get there. Yeah. So what You I, used to think I fucking hate it. Yeah, I hate it. And I, I, that is lying. And I can't get there. Yeah. So what I like to say to everyone now is, I'm sober today. Yeah. Right? That's all I've got to do. Yeah. All I've got to do is wake up, not pick up, not drink, and go to bed. Yeah. And it's another day done. Yeah, I understand. I celebrated 10 months so Congratulations. over the weekend and I put some posts up and I can understand how maybe that might make people feel a little bit shit, maybe. Yeah, and I think some people, I don't know if I was odd with that because I know in like meetings people want to know how long you are and I'll say it in stuff like that, but publicly, I've, I'm multiple years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a long way off of it yeah. at the minute. Yeah. But realistically, if you're out there now and you're watching this podcast, you're not you and you're on it, all you've got to do is not pick up today. That's right? great. And you're the same as me. And you're someone else. Because I heard someone say it early on. Someone said, oh, I'm six years sober. And someone else said, yeah, so's my fucking dog. So, I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it made me yeah. laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I used to literally go to meetings and so Like, my, my business partner's 22 years sober, right? Wow. And uh, I used to hear that. When I first come in, I used to just think, you fucking liar. Why are you here? Why are you in the same room as me? You fucking ain't as bad as me. Yeah. And so for me, keep it simple. Yeah, just like I'm sober today, yeah. All right, each set right on that. I, I, I respect what you're saying. How did, um, how did, uh, and what's it like, like when I, there must be some sort of stigma attached to you being on like the Housewives yeah. of Cheshire thing, like a negative stigma a little bit as well. Do you know what I mean? Like being yeah. on TOWIE or, yeah, or yeah. all stuff like that. But how did that come, because you're like a lad's lad. So, yeah, yeah. And to be on some, and you're a businessman. Yeah. Uh, so to be on something like that, is it weird? But you got recognised when we were coming in here. People, yeah, people I did, watch yeah. it. People watch, so that programme gets a million viewers a week. Fucking and, hell. And it's gone in 24 other countries. 
Fuck. So like, I'll, I'll get people coming up to me from fucking Canada, all over the place. You wouldn't believe it. Would not believe the amount of messages you get. People love that stuff, so, don't they? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Mental, isn't it? But this is why this is important, though, because people watch them shows and you've got a lovely life, and I have got a lovely life. But people don't realise what it was like. Yeah. So I had that lovely life, but my life was shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I wanted yeah. to burn it down and I was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's why it's important. Our TV might not like that I talk about this stuff. Well, it's tough. Yeah. Because it's the truth, and actually that might help someone. And it's great being on it. I don't drink on it. Yeah. You know, because I don't drink. Um, we don't talk about it on it because they don't they don't talk about it on there. Yeah. But that's up to them. Um it came around because they kept my wife's completely different to me. I'm quite outgoing. I like social media now, I never used to have social media to show, but I like it. I like TikTok and stuff, but she's quite private and I kept asking her, um, near enough since we lived up there, she's always said no. Asking her what? To be on it. Oh right, okay. So she, Why did you know the people running it? No, they they find you all through Instagram. Right. So, so they meant to check up through 6,000 Instagram profiles a year and then approach people. For, like I said, this is how they cast it. Or people that people know. She kept yeah. getting asked. She's always like, nah. My wife's from Bo. She's very East End and it's very like whatever happens behind closed, like closed doors. The fact that I do this stuff now, yeah. used to just like... She hates it. She doesn't now. She thinks yeah. it's important. Yeah. But for years, blew her head. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because everything's a secret. She's not liking her. And after three or four years of them asking her, I was trying to buy a football club. So I was trying to buy Maxfield Town before it went bust. And there was a point where I thought, this deal's happening. And I said to her, I need you on that fucking TV show because I need the sponsors, I need ticket sales, and I need viewers. Right? It's going to push the club revenue up. But So she went on the show, my deal fell through. And then she's on it. But I think she enjoys it now, but she wants to stay. We've done seven seasons now of it. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of specials. There's another special being filmed next week. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it because I see it as fun. Now, I think the difference is between the people I know who used to be on Toei and us is everyone on our show is older and had a career or got a career. Yeah. I think a lot of the lads that were on Toei. That it made like, them. Yeah, yeah. Made them or, and then they fall out of it, Lewis Blur, and they don't know what to do with their lives. Yeah. And it's different. We've all got other things. Get, yeah. Well, hopefully going on that yeah. this isn't the priority in ain't my career so yeah. I just think it's fun yeah yeah and also look let's have it right if you've got if you've got anything going on and you've got that exposure it fucking amplifies everything massively from a business perspective massively. it gives you it gives you the clout do you know massively. what I mean massively. What, what, what do you do for business so now what? so I sold I had a sports agency for uh, what, representing players uh, footballers and boxers and this is through my addiction really and uh, I sold that when I was 32. Um, I've got, I got eight figures. Wow, fucking hell. This is the other thing I did. I can't get that money. So every money, bit of money I earn still, I'll give to her. I have a bank card that I might have 100 quid on and I have an Amex card that I use. And, and the reason I do that is if I'm going to go wonky, she can see every transaction then and she knows who I am. And it'll stop me quicker. So yeah. I give that all to her. And now what I do, I do investments. So I've just put recently, we've taken a large share in Mr. Whippy. Okay. <laughs> so we've done Mr. Whippy. That's literally completed now. We're doing different licensed agreements into different products. So we do, we've got a Mr. Whippy cupcake coming out in B&M, Own Bargains and um, Morrison's. Right, right, In the next right. month. I own an alcohol brand, surprisingly. Oh, wow. With my wife that I haven't tried called Truth. Um, bit of a funny one. Yeah, I had a bit. I had a beer brand. Show. I had a beard brand. Did I had, you? I had a beer called Laugh Spear. It was in a barrel. It's a barrel of good laughs. Name. Yeah, I've seen it. I've barrel seen of it. laughs. Yeah, I sold loads of them through lockdown, but I just left it. I couldn't. I'll push it to the side a little bit, to be honest with you. One because I don't like dealing with individual products. Because I have another business that sells other people's products. Yeah, yeah. But it's different than having your own storage and your own warehousing and all that. I hate it. So yeah. I'm trying to do, I'm doing a deal now with the distributor to take take the running of it over. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do that. I've got recruitment businesses. We've got, we do, kind of run a business a little bit like Dragon's Den where you can come to yeah. us and we look at your business and different ideas. Just bought half an electrical company, DCM installations, and it can be anything. Yeah. Um, I've just got this documentary deal done with, with this book. So that's going to kick off with all free media. Hopefully we'll see how that that goes. But life's good and it wouldn't be good if I was using. Yeah. And none of these things would be possible. Um, would you be interested in investing in film? 
<laughs> Is anyone ever made money? <laughs> <laughs> I did say I he's going to make money. <laughs> well, no, um, no, I'm just saying, um, uh, I, I, and that's that's. It's funny that you should say that because that is the stigma around yeah. the film, isn't it? I think the tax system. Yeah, yeah, that a few years yeah, ago. yeah. Of course, but um, I've 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 made a few films. I've got a couple that are uh, in post production, waiting to come out. But I've got um, I've written one called Sessions, which is about um, uh, it's similar to, to our to our stories. Mm. You know, it's about a lad that loses when the party don't stop. He loses his way, uh, and it's the narrative is a counselling session, so it dips in and out, and it's got a cool twist and all of this okay. stuff. But it, it focuses on suicide, um, you know, domestic violence, alcoholism, drug use, cocaine use, really. Yeah. And I really wanted to paint a picture of how dark, because people don't understand how dark it can get. Oh, a lot yeah. of people don't, and uh, anyway, and, and and sort of really raise a stigma on it. But I've got the I've got a brilliant ability through the through the audience and stuff like that so i think the problem with i know we're going off on tangents no, but i might as well pitch you while you're here but um <laughs> <laughs> the, the the thing with the industry is you make a film you invest in it and normally the producers they take their the, the, say for instance there's 100 grand goes in or let's say a million pound goes in they'll take their fee out straight away before the film's even yeah, yeah. been made right and then they go what's ever's left we'll make it and hopefully someone will buy it like a netflix and if they buy it then you can have some of your money back maybe um but the model that I've created and we've done it with the last one is, you know, all the money goes into the film. We try and make it, you know, on the art, but then we self-distribute. So we get it on the, the Amazon, for instance, like we've done on the last one. And then we use the social media and everything to pump it up, pump the numbers and just sell it and sell it okay. direct, direct to, to the to streamer. Direct, di direct. Yeah. So yeah. like we managed to get my last one up to number one in on Amazon. You know, it's like it's like the book, but you do, and then you do your own premiere. You can make money, get sponsors and all that stuff. So it might be a bit unconventional way of doing it. I think you've done a film with a friend of mine recently, but I don't know if it's out or not. So I don't know if I can say what, who it what, is. What's that? I don't know what the film's called, but I know he told who, me. Who is it? Jake Cornish. I know Jake. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was a good looking fucker. He's a good, when he come mate. on set, when he come on set, I was like, who's this fucker? Because he's, <laughs> he's, got, he's got a really fucking, he's got a nice airline. He done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, fucking how old are you? Your airline looks like you're about 18 years old. Um, but he was good. He was really good. Him and his pal. Um, yeah, that was um, Bermondsey Tells. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Bermondsey Tells. Tells. Yeah, and yeah. We, got, we got some people out snatching that and some cool people. Um, so, we're, and again, but, it's it's a different it's a different way of doing it, you know. Like I feel like the way that the way that it's been done before, where like you buy in, but everyone gets paid, the investor gets their money. Yeah, later. yeah I've noticed that from this documentary. Yeah. I've asked, I've worked, I've, I've learned how it all works from the other side. Yeah. actually, in the last few months. And I've I've got such big support from this and the mental health group and everything that I've got. And with the last film, that when I turn to the people and say, right, please come and support this then they can generate the revenue for us. We can give it back to the investors. And then the fucking film then just lives its life. And then what do you think it costs to make it? Uh, I've got other people as well. So it wouldn't just be, be on your but seven, six, seven, something like that, seven, eight, maybe. It depends. The, the main money will go on the talent. So it needs big talent in it in order to... Well, so to pulls the people, don't it? It pulls the people, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't want to make any money out of it, making it, uh, you know, if it made money in the future, it'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. I just want to get it out there. Okay, you know what I mean? But we'll have a chat, maybe. Yeah. And you wrote it, have you? I wrote it with a gentleman called um, John that normally produces this. Uh, and it's, I'll give it to you to read. They do, right. Are you good at sitting down and reading stuff? Can I'm you? all right, yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. My ADHD I'll, keeps me focused sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to be interested. But it's yeah. all about cocaine, so. Oh, I'll be well. <laughs> Anything about it, I'm interested. <laughs> but I'll give it to you. And you might, it might turn you on. And you might go, okay. well, do you know what? I know a few people. Yeah, I might do. Yeah. I might do actually. There you go. That's how you do a bit of business, people. There you go. Is it your IS game? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, yeah, we be. can. We can do if yeah. you want to write off some tax. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, people like that. Yeah, I mean, what I want to do is get people around the table, get people all around the table that are genuinely interested in it and then work it out between us. Okay. Instead of going, this is how I'm doing it. If you want in, it's like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I've got some other big boys that have got a bit of dough okay. as well to have a look. Um, right. All right. Well, that was really interesting. Tell, tell them, tell them, just do me a favour, pitch a book a little bit to them because um, what an interesting story and tell them where they can get it and what, so, uh, just briefly what it's about. Again. Yeah, so this is on days like these. As I said before, cassette tapes made in, in 94, my dad talking. Um, that no one knew about for 20 years. And it's been made into a book. And the book is also blended with my story from really about grief um, and addiction and rec and also me and my wife in recovery. And you can buy it in where you buy all your good books, Amazons, um, all your bookshops, all of them, WH Smiths. It's been number one for, I think, 10 weeks on Amazon in sport. Um, yeah, go and buy it. Enjoy it. 
you can buy audio books, the paperback. They've got them all out now. So, you, you know, the publisher's more than happy. If he makes a bit of money, he might invest in my don't, film. You don't make no money out of books. Oh, you don't? <laughs> no, the publisher makes all the money. They get, they buy the rights and that's really everything's theirs. Yeah. So you've yeah, got to do things differently. A um, couple of things I want to finish on. First first of all, I like to just kind of get someone um, like yourself to say something direct to the viewers for me. Anyone out there that's in uh, the type of addiction that you've had or that's going through it or trying to stay away from it, what core bit of advice would you give them? This till shall pass. Um, all you have to do is get through a day. If you can't get through a day, get through an hour. If you can't get through an hour, get through a minute. Yeah. And however that is, distract yourself, go for a walk. I find walking yeah. amazing and get, get in the bath. Yeah, anything, relax. Just anything away from your phone and your brain. Yeah. Your brain will kill you Yeah. if you listen to it. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Sesh Gremlin, I used to call it. It always used to tell me what to do. Don't do it, don't do it, do it. Fuck it, do it. Yeah. You know, if you don't, or the, de <coughs> the dealer answers the phone, I'll do it. If he don't, I won't. It's his job. Yeah. <laughs> do, you know I mean? yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And uh, you got a bit emotional when we started talking yeah. about your missus and how big a part do you think partners play in people's recovery? Massive. Yeah. For me, for me, she's been all of she's been all of my recovery without having to do do anything. Just that look yeah. when you, you know the moment yeah, you're walking yeah, out yeah. door and the upset of it and yeah. and looking at her, thinking this woman's given me everything she's got and I can't even not do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so important. But do you know what? At the same time, it's hard. It's hard, yeah. hard. And this is hard advice to give, actually, because it didn't happen to me. Because she, but she should have. They should leave. Maybe the quicker you leave, the quicker they'll stop. Um, is my opinion. But she never did it to me. <laughs> Which yeah. I do say to her, why didn't you leave? She didn't. Yeah, that that's that's a real tough one. But you know, I I couldn't go home, and that was when I fucking had a wake up call. You know, I won't. She was like, you ain't coming back here. To sort yourself out, or no, no, it wasn't even that. It was like just it's done, go. Really? Yeah, and then um, and then I was like, and, and I think that is hard advice, but really good advice because the user, the person, can really look. They can get a clear picture of what their life is going to look like if they continue. Yeah, yeah. Great advice, Joe. Thanks oh, a lot. Thank, Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much, man. I was pleasantly surprised because I know fuck all about football. <laughs> <laughs> so I really got through that. Um, thank you so much. And we've never introduced the producer. Well, I'm so sorry, my friend. Get, uh, thank you for... Thank you for... I forgot your name as well. What was your name? Uh, it's Luke. Luke, Luke, get yeah. your face on the camera quickly. Is uh, the camera not on? The camera doesn't work. Ah, uh, uh, Luke. Luke, <laughs> Luke, Luke filled in for John today. We had no John, we had no Kirk, but Luke is a great producer. Thank you for taking the time for that. Anything you want to add or did you find it interesting? That was fucking great, man. I want to yeah. get on some gear, to be honest. <laughs> oh, no. no. Don't do that. No, that's not what this podcast <laughs> is for. Uh, <laughs> no, but thank you very much, my friend. Really enjoyed that. Joe, thank you again. Thank Where you. can I find you on Instagram quickly? Uh, Joe underscore Seeley one. Yeah. On Instagram. Yeah, and get, get, yeah, ping my message if you yeah. enjoyed it. And uh, as always, sharing is caring. Joe, thank you. Check out Joe's book, uh, Sharing's Caring. Please share this podcast. Please let us know if you enjoyed having the guest on. Uh, we're going to do more of that. Who knows? You might hear from Joe more. I'm certainly going to keep in touch with him. Really interesting guy. Thank you very much for tuning in. That was another episode of Menace to Sobriety. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, guys. Hello. We are going to take the Menace to Sobriety to the live stage, and we need a live studio audience to interact with us, to come along, listen, laugh, and learn everything about sobriety, mental health, well-being, and just come along for a night out with like-minded people. We are going to be going live on the 30th of August, 27th of September, 25th of October, and the 29th of November. That's one a month. Get your tickets now. Come down, meet the team, and have some fun. Menace to Sobriety Live, coming soon. Oh, yes. And don't forget, if you want to come and see me live and meet me, I'm going on tour. The Daniel O'Reilly Out of Character Full UK Tour kicks off in January 2024 and tickets are on sale right now. I'm going to try and get out and meet as many of you as possible. And of course, I'm going to be bringing the laughs all over the UK. There's 23 dates right now and I'm adding more all the time. Hit the link in the bio and get your tickets now and come have some fun. If you're going through a tough time at the moment, please don't suffer in silence. Feel free to pick up the phone and contact any of these helplines. I personally, myself, at one of my darkest points, contacted the Samaritans and it completely changed my outlook and got me out of a really deep, dark place. A problem shared really is a problem halved. So if you don't feel confident talking to those around you, check out any of these organizations and give them a call. This is my Facebook group, just simply search on Facebook, Men and Their Emotions. It's for men only. 
Uh, but once you're in there, you can talk anonymously about your problems and help others and just feel a little bit of community. So come join the conversation, Men and Their Emotions, on Facebook. Thanks for watching. Menace of sobriety, just a menace, just, just a menace, just a menace, just a menace, just, just a menace.